Welcome back to another episode of the More Love podcast. This is one of my favorite things to do because I get to have these most amazing conversations that I can share with you. And today we are talking with Judy Carroll. Now, she has so much interesting, so many interesting stories and such a wealth of wisdom to share with us that it's it's going to be good. Judy's based in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, and has written several books, Zeta by Day, no, Human by Day, Zeta by Night. Um, and what was the first one, Judy? The Zeta Message. The Zeta Message, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. Um, so that were the first two books that I read of yours. And then I came to Brisbane all those years ago to meet you. And now we're reconnecting again. So thank you so much for being on the More Love podcast. Oh, Helen, it's my pleasure. It's lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to a fellow Aussie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know your work circulates well in the US, but yeah. so not as extensively here in Australia. So. I can highly recommend your books and the subsequent books that you've written are available in ebook format. And there, I just have found your books to be so accessible. The language is so easy to understand. The power of the message is still in there. They're still an incredible awakening tool, but they're so down to earth and so easy to understand. And the analogies are just. Your last book contained an analogy of a football team and a football coach. It couldn't have been better. It was so simple. It was so powerful and so accessible. So if anyone is looking for a book to support them in their spiritual journey, yours are fantastic. Oh, thank you for that, Helen. (laughs) Well, that's just my experience. So that was easy. (laughs) So as the title of Human by Day, Zeta by Night suggests, you have a really interesting experience of life sort of a dual experience. Yes, Helen, yes. I um, actually made a pre-birth choice before coming into this life to come in as a dual or blended soul. And what that actually means is all of us, when we're going to be born into a physical life, we connect with a, a, a planetary culture of some sort, like depending on where we're going to come in. So if we're going to uh, have a, a, a birth on planet Earth, we tune into the Earth human collective consciousness um, to prepare ourselves, and then we tune into like a, a cultural consciousness, a natural consciousness, etc., and a family to prepare us for that subsequent birth. But what people like me do, we actually tune into two planetary cultures. Now, I, I knew that I would chose to be born down here in Earth human form, so of course I linked into the Earth human collective consciousness, but because I have come here on a mission as an ambassador for the Greys, the the Zeta people. I also linked into the Grey collective consciousness. So what this does, it enables me to access consciousness from both perspectives. Wow. To to try and dissipate the fear. That's the main thing why I'm here, to try and dissipate the fear, along with other people who are doing the same work. Um, And so this enables me to live out a normal human by day life and a Zeta by night life in that I leave my physical human body and go up on the ship at night and work. And I have quite a bit of conscious recall from that. I mean, I can only bring back a limited amount because my earth human brain can only access about 10% of a potential consciousness is out there, but I still bring back enough to know what's going on. So the listeners can't see you, but, you know, I'm looking at a perfectly human 
wonderfully <laughs> kind, beautiful woman. You know, if someone was walking down the street, unless they had their heart wide open and were, um, you know, observing the world through energy, they'd never know the difference, would they? That's right, yeah, yeah. I've actually been caught out a few times when I've been speaking at conferences with people in the audience who are clairvoyant. Um, I've had a number of people come up and, and have said, oh, I've seen your grey um, face, you know, features overshadowing your human features while you were speaking. So I oh, have wow. had that happen, but they've got to have that ability to be able to see it. And if your mission is to help alleviate or dissipate the fear, uh, do you think you could have come to earth with any bigger job? I mean, that's, it's, <laughs> I know, that's I know. huge. The little group that I work with who are all based here in Queensland, and of course there's some of our group over in America, but I have close friends from our group here. We all say the same thing. We all say, oh, we must have been crazy. <laughs> Yeah. It's that, that when, when we pass over this time and go back up on the ship, we're going to chain ourselves to a bulkhead or something and refuse to come back. <laughs> Needless to say, we've all got a good sense of humour and this is what helps us to get through. <laughs> yeah, yep. So let's go back. I always talk about, I, I love to have my podcast revolve around a story in the guest's life. So how did you realize in your human form as a child or a young adult I'm not sure when how did you realize that you had this dual consciousness it took a long time Helen because I specifically chose to experience the fear through my childhood I was aware that something was going on I was being taken up on onto the ship um, and I had these beings come into my room and I went through all the fears of most people do who are having contact with the greys um, in that I was terrified of puppets. I didn't like dolls, you know, because they've got those sort of doll-like bodies. Um, went through all that. Um, absolutely terrified every night to go to sleep on my own. In fact, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, although now I realise why, up until 11 years old, I'll not go to sleep on my own without my mum being in the room with me. Um, absolutely terrified. And um, so I've experienced the fear. So when people contact me now, you know, speaking to me as a grey, I know where they're coming from. And so when I'm up on the ship working, I do everything I can to try and calm their fear because I've been there, done that myself. At age 15, I had a slight, my, my awakening happened, a slight awakening happened in that I woke up one night with the sleep paralysis that people talk about. And this is often a contact experience. At that time, we were living in a, an apartment, a flat as we call them here in Australia, and I was on my own out on the sleep-out area. And I woke in the middle of the night, unable to move, paralysed from head to foot, and I could see the doorknob turning of the room. <laughs> Tried to call out to my parents, couldn't do it, I couldn't speak, I couldn't move, absolutely terrified. And the funny thing was that even being able to see the doorknob turning, there was no nightlight, there was dark, it was completely dark, and yet it was like it was illuminated, so to allow me to see it. Anyway, I blanked out, missing time, woke up the next morning with uh, a vague memory of it happening, didn't think any more of it. And it was after that that I started becoming aware that I had a teacher working with me from what I call upstairs, a spirit teacher. But at that stage, here in Australia, we never had the Roswell event or anything like that. So nobody knew anything about ET contact. I've never heard of it as a child. So I 
got into my mind that this this person, this being who was contact me, I knew he wasn't human. So I thought of him as being devic, you know, of the nature spirit kingdom. And this sort of fits anyway because the greys are connected into, into the nature spirit kingdom. Um, anyway, the next few years, things happen one after the other. When, if people read my book, Bazita Message, they'll see how choreographed my life's been. It blows me away. Every time I read it, I, I think, oh, my goodness, you know, <laughs> everything was pre-planned. I was guided into becoming a professional dancer at that age. Now, my great-grandmother was a, a gypsy, Spanish gypsy, and she was a flamenco dancer by profession, and she was also a psychic medium. So, I mean, I very carefully chose to be born into a family with someone like that. And so I took up dancing as my career. And the Spanish dancing is... Really, it, it comes out of a shamanic tradition because the, the Spanish gypsies, all the gyps, all, all gypsies, um, have a shamanic background to their culture, and so the flamenco music has the effect of um, how can I say, lifting the person's energy to a higher vibrational frequency. Um, and in fact, in Spain, they have a, a word for duende, which translates roughly as spirit, and they they would say, they, they would use an expression, they'd say, as I was dancing, the, the duende came upon me. In other words, you know, you, you connect the spirit. And so right from age 15, when I started taking classes and went on to become a professional dancer, I was training both left and right sides of my brain because I had to allow the trance state to come on, but I also had to worry about what I was doing with my feet playing castanets with my hands at the same time, so a huge amount of coordination there, plus keeping what's called compass in flamenco, which is a very, very strict tempo and rhythm so that I'd be able to work with the guitarist. And so my training in this started right back then, and it was also excellent training for a grey trying to work down here in this human form to learn how to express emotion because that's an area where um, we have a little bit of trouble. So I learnt how to express emotion through doing the dancing. And then 15 years later, I had a full-on daytime encounter in which the greys came into the room. It was in the middle of the afternoon. I was lying down. I saw them beside the bed. There was missing time involved. Um, they spoke to me, told me it was time for me to get back to work. Um, and I was told that I would need to do certain things. Having been a dancer, they said, now you have to learn to meditate. So they advised me to learn Tai Chi. And this was back in the early 1980s. So I'd hardly even heard of what Tai Chi was. And they said to me, it's like moving meditation. It'll help you to transition from being a physical dancer through to meditation. They also told me that I would need to move back to town. We were living out in the country at that time. So I would need to move back to town to get back to work. And they said that I would also need to, need to learn a natural healing modality. Took us three years to get back to town, which all happened. We had no intention of it, but everything just fell into place. And then I spent six years training in a, um, a closed meditation circle. I found Tai Chi classes just around the corner. So everything just fell into place. <laughs> and you've married. Did you have children? Have you got a family? No, I don't. No, no. That that. Part of my grade, the sonar, I just could never bring myself to become pregnant. It's something. And a few other grey people in human form that I know here are the same. They haven't had children. But there again, I know a few who have. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. I think I would have had difficulty. I just felt no, not to do it. 
Well, we've all got to follow our inner guidance. <laughs> That's right. Lucky I have an understanding husband. He was happy with that. So. Uh, well, he would have known too, you know. like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on, a, on some level. Yeah, he actually saw me in my ray form once. He's, he's pretty psychically uh, sensitive and he saw it once. So he's always been very respectful and allowed me to carry on my work. He's never stopped me or got upset about it or anything. You know, it's really good. Speaking of work and, you know, human by day, Zeta by night. So this is um, one of my experiences. I have, I have, as I said to you before we record, began the recording, I, I don't know a lot about my pre- uh, incarnations but for quite some time I would wake up in the mornings just feeling absolutely exhausted like I'd been run over by, I would say to to my husband I just feel like I've been run over by a freight train what happened last night yes 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 I've heard that over and over again what is it too. Uh, we're just working really hard upstairs I call upstairs on the ship we're working really hard up there um, and I think we use up a lot of energy and we'll come back into the body in the morning and say, oh, I just want to rest and relax after that. Yeah. And, of course, we have to get up and do a human daytime job. So, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. So in your latest book, uh, which is called Cosmic Spirituality, I haven't forgotten the title of that one. <laughs> it's, it's one of the ones available in ebook form. And yes. um, it, it's it's lovely, like your other books, so straightforward and so educational. But there's a little section that really got me giggling. Earth plane humanity will not be let loose in the universe until positive manifestation is sought and mastered. Our universe, as an expression of source or oneness or God, is far too precious and sacred to be impacted upon negatively by such a young, fearful and immature planetary culture as are the human species on Earth. I thought, I thought that just sort of summed, summed it up quite nicely. <laughs> and yeah. um, I'm sure you've, you're well aware that at the moment there's just with COVID going on, there are conspiracy theories flying left, right and centre about everything. Oh, and one, you're not kidding. <laughs> one of the latest ones I saw was um, one about NASA and, and the moon landing and and the Mars, the uh, whatever that robot is that's meant to be on Mars. Anyhow, I thought it'd be kind of fun to ask you, did humans ever land on the moon? Yes, they did. Yes, really? They did. Yeah, I, I have a friend who's, uh, who worked very closely with um, Dr., Dr. Edgar Mitchell at NASA. So, yeah, I've heard it basically from the horse's mouth. Yes, they did. Um, and they also have had technology here, way ahead of what people would ever, ever dream. Technology was developed at NASA in, I think, 1956 to enable certain people, they refer to as a cabal, to get inside psychics' heads and give out messages as, you know, Archangel Michael or Pleiadians or Space Brothers or whatever. So you've got to be really, really um, careful what you take in, even from channel teachings, because there's some real good stuff out there, but there's some fake stuff too. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense, but I am surprised that we did go to the moon. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were allowed to, let's put it that way, they were allowed to and they saw things there which they can't 
what I want to talk about. I think Neil Armstrong spoke about it on his deathbed too. But, yeah, and this is the reason why some of those astronomers had a huge, huge consciousness shift, people have often mentioned. Certainly Edgar Mitchell he had a massive... He was the one who started up that organisation, the Noetic Sciences, I think they called it, after he came back from the moon to try to expand human Earth human consciousness. I'm looking at my list of questions and thinking maybe we should duck straight to the reincarnation. Um, you know, that... <laughs> We yeah. that's a, such a big part of awakening our consciousness, isn't huge, it? Huge, huge, huge. And yeah. well, I guess too, in this conversation, we've started at the point where we've introduced you as a dual consciousness being. Yeah, yeah. To to be an Earth human and to think that there's nothing more out in the cosmos, you know, to to be so narrow minded that we, we're it, where that that's all there is. That's right. That's right. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, it takes us back to, you know, a couple of hundred years ago where people were put to death if they believed that, you know, Earth wasn't the, you know, the whole thing and that, you know, the sun revolved around the Earth and things like that. I mean, people were put to death. It's just just incredible. The teachings on reincarnation were actually removed from the, the Christian teachings. Jesus spoke about it, as, mm. I, as I quote in my book, and was removed at one of those meetings at Constantinople under the Emperor Constantine and the Emperor Justinian, who basically put Christianity into a belief system, let's put it that way. And there was a lot of stuff cut out. There was a very, very wonderful gospel by St Thomas that was cut out. All the information in the Hagnagadi scrolls, that was all cut out. So the Bible was really doctored very, very much. Reincarnation, of course, was removed because, you know, it gave the church and, and the government more power. Even, you know, the idea of having priests and bishops, you know, as, as a go-between, taking the empowerment away from humans, really, that was what they were doing. And the other thing is that I speak about in the third book that I wrote before these last ones, Extraterrestrial Presence on Earth, Lessons in History, the Bible has been very, very badly misinterpreted. A fellow by the name of, um, what's his name, Mark Siljander, wrote a book called Deadly Misunderstandings, A Con Congressman's Quest to Bridge the Muslim-Christian Divide. He read the Quran in Arabic and the Bible in Aramaic, and he found that the similarities were just incredible and that a lot of the fighting points between the two are misinterpretations. So that's one of the things my previous podcast guest, Catherine Ann Clement, and her works um, with Claire Hartsong, you know, them, yeah. those two combined, Anna, the grandmother of Jesus, and Anna, the voice of the Magdalens. Yes, you know, that, yes. those two books really introduced the idea of the original teachings being kept secret um, and, oh. and trying to be protected from that adulteration of the truth. Exactly. Yeah, I've read both those books. They're brilliant. And the, you know, that's two thousand years ago, and you're talking about three to four hundred years after Jesus' death. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it, the truth's been withheld for such a long time. Oh, it has. It has. Yeah. They talk about the cabal and the Illuminati, but people don't realise they've been around for millennia. Mm. You know. And, and what about the words energy, frequency, and vibration? Were they originally in the in the text? Oh, look, I'm sure they would have been because, I mean, they're the heart of, of spirituality. People people get confused. They think that religion and spirituality is the same thing, but it's not. It can be poles apart. 
I mean, ideally, look, religion is supposed to be about love. So, you know, a religion isn't, you know, it's a necessary thing. It is good. The Ten Commandments are good. People need to follow them. But it must be kept based on love. As soon as you start bringing in judgment and intolerance, fear, you know, fear of this God figure who's going to dull out punishments, you know, you've lost the plot. (laughs) (laughs) That was very Aussie, wasn't it? You've lost the plot. Lost the plot. (laughs) (laughs) I I love throwing Aussie sometimes. It's so true, though, because love, we can only experience it as an energy. That's right, exactly, exactly. I was I was raised Catholic. I, I was educated in a Catholic convent, and I think, again, this was planned so I'd get a good basic knowledge of religion, you know, as plain religion. And as a child, I, I never wanted to particularly be a nun, but I wanted to be a priest. I wished that I'd been born a boy so I could be a priest. And I used to plan, if I'd been born a boy and could become a priest, I planned to write a sermon on how can you love and fear God at the same time because they're opposites. Now, I must have been about nine or ten when that was in my mind. <laughs> you know, you can't. It's uh, What's that term? It's an oxymoron. Love and fear being in the same sentence, you can't have it. And, and the other problem is that I find with a lot of the fundamentalist religion, they break everything down to 3D, like the Bible is taken as a 3D thing, and it's not. It's way beyond that. And this is another mistake people make, that God's this 3D bearded man up on a cloud. And it's just so completely wrong. <laughs> mm. I think the church that's done the, the hardest work to eliminate that idea of a corporeal God is the Christian science church. Yeah, I don't know much about them. Okay. Oh, their teachings are, um, I'm not a member, so I'll just say mm. that out front. I'm, yeah. I'm not um, formally associated with the church, but they're, their works or their mission is to convey the message that God is not corporeal. God is an energy of pure love energy. And we are of God. We are made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore we are energy and we are a pure love energy. And therefore, if we keep our attention on what we truly are, which is would they use the term spiritual sense? If we keep yes. our attention on spiritual sense, which is pure positive love energy, then everything else, all the material things become healed because love heals. Oh, oh that's brilliant. Mm. That's basically what I say in my cosmic spirituality book, isn't it? That is mm. brilliant. I love it. Mm. They also don't have any hierarchy in their church. Okay. The church services are run by members of the community. And then they right. all just rotate. Right. They have very specific roles, but they all rotate and share share right. the, yeah. the service. So there's no clergy, no hierarchy. And they're oh, trying to really brilliant. limit limit the chances that the yeah, mind yeah, or the yeah. ego mind will come in. Yeah. I think what we need to point out here, Helen, is that Christian science is different to Scientology. Absolutely. Complete, Thank you. Completely different. Yeah. That might confuse some people. Because I've heard of Christian scientists, uh, Christian science, and yeah, I was fascinated with that as a child, and I just never got the chance to look into it because I was sort of in the Catholic faith, and that was it. Although I did, as I got older, I started checking out a few others, but I never got around to that one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Here's a question for you: Do we need to have a, a spiritual awakening to awaken to our true nature? So this question is born of the my previous podcasts, I've always asked the guests for their note experience 
and we've had all range of of spiritual experiences which is really lovely but I suddenly realized that I might be leading my listeners down the path of thinking you don't get to wake up unless you've had one of these dramatic experiences so I was just hoping you might clarify for me Oh, yeah, no, that's not right, Helen. No, every, everyone can wake up. You don't have to have a dramatic experience. A dramatic experience helps because it's very hard when you've had one to explain to someone who hasn't had one because it is so, um, you know, extraordinarily off the scale. But at the same time, there are plenty of people who are waking up and very, very open who haven't had those experiences. So I will say that, you know, look, even like a lot of people contact me and, and you know, oh, please let me know, am I having ET contact experiences? I don't remember anything, but you know, I'd love to have them. And as I say to people, look, heaps of people are having experiences but because we work with a 10% consciousness here, that's all our brain can process. And so we often don't bring stuff back. I don't bring a huge amount back. I've brought enough back to be able to speak as dual soul, but I don't remember everything that happens up on the ship. Um, and I realise there's no way that I could, you know, it, it would send you crazy if we did because the experiences are so far out of our ability to, for our brain to process so no, no, if, if you're even just interested in a subject, it means that you're connected into it and that you are awake, awakening. Say that again. That's actually really powerful. Just the fact that you're interested in the subject means that you are awakening or have awakened already. The other really key message that I'd love that I, I feel like is my work to help um, reassure people that if they're sensitive to energy, if they're interested in this topic, they're sensitive to energy. You know, they're, they're asking questions. Why can I feel stuff going on when, when maybe the material world is meant to be saying something different? And, yeah, yeah. and why can I feel energy move as different people come in and out of a room? Or, or why do I feel energy ebbing and flowing even during a conversation? Yeah, that's part of our awakening. We're, we're awakening as, as we're, everyone's talking about the world moving from fourth world consciousness to fifth world consciousness, in other words, 5D, and that's what 5D consciousness is all about, becoming more sensitive to energy. So, yeah, many, many people are waking up. Catherine Ann Clement in the previous episode said, if you're on Earth right now, you're going through an ascension process. You, you sure are. <laughs> That's absolutely true. And some people are loving it and flowing with it and others are fighting it tooth and nail. And the planetary controllers, the cabal, are trying to stop it happening, but they won't be able to because, you know, it's, it's time for it to happen. It'll happen. <laughs> this brings us quite nicely into the next question. When everything's up for quit for question how do we know what the truth is so this question is born out of that spiritual awakening process where you've discovered what's not true you've discovered yeah. the material world isn't everything it's chalked up to be yeah so if 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 it's not all of that then what is it and i've found early in my spiritual journey the what is it question was quite it was tricky to find my way. Yeah. Oh, look, Helen, everyone struggles with that. Many, many years ago, I actually asked the gray, tall grey teacher that I worked with, Maris, I said that, look, we're being given so much information, there's so much channel, channel stuff being sent through, so many different opinions in books. How the heck do we work out what's right and what's wrong or, or you know, what's I should say what's positive and what's negative? And he said, feel into the energy he said, when you're reading it, see how it makes you feel. 
if it's coming from a place of fear or a place of love. So if it's safe, say, for example, it's a channel teaching and they start carrying on about, oh, there's negative rays or negative aliens going to come here and invade the earth. Or that's even negative right. angels these days. Oh, look, whatever. That's right. That's not correct because it's coming from fear. So that's what you do. You tune into it on a deeper level. You don't listen to the words or read the words. You tune in on a deeper level. Ask yourself, is this coming from love or is it coming from fear? And that's the bottom line. Mm, that's perfect. That's exactly what I do. The other some the other terminology I sometimes use instead of love and fear is expansion or contraction. Yes, that's lovely. Yeah. Because yep. fear contracts us, it makes us scared. <laughs> it's fear, exactly. but it, it pulls our energy in and and um, reduces our capacity. Whereas love opens us up and expands our capacity. That's right. Yes, yes. And fear disempowers us, and love empowers us. Once you've grasped that fear, the difference between fear and love, and that love is everything and fear is really merely the absence of love. Yes. Suddenly the world becomes so simple. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a really personal choice that you have to make. This is the Armageddon thing that they talk about. Again, they've made it a, a third, you know, a 3D fight between religions. It's not that. It's a fight within your own heart. And even the, the Bhagavad Gita, I think it is, starts off with a battle scene for people who've read that book. And it explains the same thing. It's really a battle within your own heart of choosing love or fear. The God element or the, or the you know, Satan element, whatever you want to call it, and they're both within our own um, character and it's those two sides that are being that are fighting and we've got to try and make the loved one win, you know, not, not let fear, fear win. <laughs> Do other levels, uh, so just for the listeners, in at least two of your books um, you've talked about the human ladder and yeah. earth plane being the bottom rung. <laughs> <laughs> it is the God densest <laughs> bottom rung of the ladder. But I'm just wondering, as we move up the ladder, do we still have free will choice? Absolutely. Free will is really important on all levels. What the human ladder is, we were, oh, again, you know, we were taught this. My co-author, Helene Kay, and I were taught this right back in about 2001 by another tall grey teacher by the name of Boris. And what it is, it's expanding levels of conscious awareness from level one down here where we can access about 10% of our conscious awareness up to level 10 where we can access 100% of our conscious awareness. And this is the evolutionary path that all people have to follow. Humans throughout the cosmos follow this path. And, yes, free will um, must reign supreme. Free will throughout the universe is absolutely important. I often think of it as an earth plane thing because it's so dramatic here. Yeah, no, it is throughout the universe. But as you evolve up the ladder and open up to more and more consciousness, you learn to make better choices. Because we're all creators in training, so before, as you laughed about before, before they're going to let us loose in the, in the cosmos, <laughs> we've got to learn to create positively rather than negatively. So those who graduated from you know, planet Earth, the school school planet Earth, they have learned to choose love over fear, but it's got to be a free will choice. And this even applies if you're in, say, a dictatorship on Earth, you know, one of the countries where there's a dictatorship, it still has to be a personal choice, love or fear. You've sparked my brain in so many different directions, but <laughs> first of all, the listeners who may not have read your books 
the concept of the human ladder or one of the concepts of the human ladder is that as we go up the human ladder, as you just said, our consciousness expands, yeah. um, you know, Earth's 10% and the next level might be 20% and so on just for the sake of providing, yeah. um, you know, the concept. But as expansionness expands, duality decreases. Yes, because it's a journey back to oneness. Yeah, so free will becomes perhaps less challenging i don't have a quite the yes. right language around that but as as yeah. duality decreases free will becomes or the options one or the other are less dramatic i guess yeah actually helen yeah look you sparked off something in my mind that i talk about in one of the books free will becomes god's will uh, well that's and it. this yes and this is how higher um I guess I, you know, cultures like the Greys and the Pleiadians and the Syrians, all the higher ones, this is how they were. And this is how, you know, the Greys, they talk about them having a hive consciousness. Yes, there was a very ancient time when they did, but the, the Greys who are around now, the more advanced Greys, absolutely operate through God's will in that there's no, you know, you don't need free will. I mean, you would never make the choice of fear. It's always the, the choice of love and caring for the whole community, and that's how they are like a high consciousness because every decision or thing that they do in their life is made for everyone. It's not all aimed towards self. So, yeah, free will becomes God's will as you go up the ladder. Yeah, that's that, that's a really beautiful way to say it. Oh, and yeah, the truth, you. but it just <laughs> resonates, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, thanks for reminding me of it. <laughs> you said we're all creator beings. There were two things that I longed for absolutely longed for and the first was to go home I was unbelievably homesick and um, I went to boarding school so I always put down the homesickness to being at boarding school you know all I wanted to do was be at home on the farm but it the homesickness came with me after boarding school <laughs> so then I had to work out what the hell it really was and the other thing was I yearned to have the ability to create like my power to create I just yearned for that yeah. because I felt so disempowered and so incapable you know all those things that go with absolute disempowerment and despair that they were the two things that I yearned for yeah 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 so many of the star people who are down here go through that I, I remember look as a child looking up at the stars at night and tears coming into my eyes and yes, yeah, the, the disempowerment, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty well proof that you are a star person down here. I mean, beyond the fact that you're doing this work, I mean, that's proof enough, but that's more proof. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I've heard that from so many people. Just want to go home, phone home. We, all, we have a standing joke amongst us, phone home. <laughs> you know, like in the E.T. movie. <laughs> 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 another lovely movie i don't know if people have seen is paul without it all quite a long time ago about 10 years ago entitled paul nice. oh, yeah. yeah the character was a gray t i think he'd been a vic, uh, one of the roswell crash pet victims or something who survived and oh god it's funny it is so funny <laughs> i've got it on dvd and i play it every so often <laughs> That brings us to another of your books where you clarified the messages of Arl, who um, was meant to oh, be yeah. a survivor of the Roswell crash. Yeah, Al, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could never work yeah. out how to pronounce the name, but 
So for anyone who's come across the book where the nurse, the notes from the nurse were released. Yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. of the communications. Uh, that you've added some clarification to those messages. Oh, my goodness, book. yes. I, I read that book years ago and I was sort of enlightened and horrified at the same time because, <laughs> because some of the points I put across are very good. You know, I mean, it confirms stuff I know, but a lot of it is just 3D nonsense and absolute, you know, mis misinterpretation. So what I did, I thought, well, back then I thought I must write a commentary on this book one of these days because I've got a very close connection with that group who were involved back to that Roswell thing, you know, it was the Zeta Reticulans. So I thought, oh, I've got to write a commentary on this because people were contacting me at the time and saying, is this book truth or fiction? And I, I was saying, look, you know, really take it as fiction. It's great sky fi, but it's not, you know, a lot of it's not true. But at that time, I was writing my Extraterrestrial Presence on Earth book, so I couldn't do another book. So once that was published, I started working on the commentary on the Alien Interview book and just clarifying stuff and trying to correct some of the misunderstandings and, and some of the wrong terms that have been used in it. So, yeah, that's what my book, An Alien, uh, An Interview with an Alien, is about. Another great read for anyone who's interested. <laughs> We're down to will Mother Earth survive COVID? Oh, yes, that's a lovely question, that one. Let's just open up the can of worms, shall we? Yeah. Look, do you want to read out that question, Helen, because it is so good? Or would you like me to read it out? Because there's points there I love that you've made there. Would you like me to read it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. The question that Helen has put, will Mother Earth make it through COVID? This question is a dramatic way of asking about ascension of the planet time speeding up end of the 25,625-year cycle. There is so much fear-mongering at the moment from both the controllers and their puppets, but also the conspiracy theorists and so-called truth movement, which results in fear of not having the jab or fear of getting the jab. Either way, fear. To me, the jab is a material plane experience, the higher experience of staying neutral and knowing who we truly are through all of this. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Now, would you would you like me to read out the message that Mara sent through on the corona virus? Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect timing. Okay. I'll, I'll just explain. Back in 2019, October of 2019, when we were up on the ship, a huge, huge number of humans suddenly started coming on board. I think it was like a pre-cognition thing that we were showing. And it was almost like an airport terminal at, at, you know, peak hour. It was just absolute chaos going on. And a couple of us remembered it the next morning when we woke up and we sort of exchanged emails over it. And we knew that something huge was going to happen on the planet and there was going to be a lot of deaths involved. And we sort of held our breath waiting for some massive earthquake or something and nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened through the rest of 2019. Then, of course, 2020, the COVID hit and we knew that that was what it was all about. Now, a few months after that, I was giving a Reiki treatment to my friend and co-worker, Paula Jane, who does the, my, our podcast, they just love podcasts with me. And a message began formulating, while I was giving her a Reiki treatment, a message began formulating in my mind about the COVID because she was asking questions about it too. 
Now, after the treatment, I said this to Paula and she burst out laughing because she said during the treatment, she said, I was putting out a message asking Maris to give me a message <laughs> about it. So that's how this message came about. She asked for it and he was coming in while I was giving the treatment. I, I didn't know she was going to ask. His message is everything in the universe is energy. So everything that manifests in the universe, whether perceived by Earth humans as good or bad, comes originally from source. To understand the reason why seemingly negative events occur, such as this virus, there are three basic facts that need to be taken into consideration. Firstly, source or God energy is non-polarised. It is neither negative yin nor positive yang, but rather composed of both polarities held in a state of perfect oneness and balance. However, once energy moves out from source and transmutes to a lower frequency, and most especially on a highly polarised planet such as Earth, separation and polarisation occur. One aspect of extreme polarisation are the illusions of good and bad. In the greater reality, these opposites do not apply. All is oneness and balance. But in 3D Earth plane manifestation, yes, such states are a subject of reality. Secondly, death is an illusion. What Earth humans perceive as the greatest tragedy that can happen, the death of a human being, is simply a prime opportunity for spiritual growth and evolution. The death of the physical body, which is nothing more than a container for the soul, frees the spirit to enable it to focus on higher learning. It can then choose whether to reincarnate back to a physical life on Earth or elsewhere, or else to progress to a higher, less physical level of the human ladder. No death is ever accidental. Every soul freely chooses in its pre-birth state when, where and how it will make its transition at the end of the coming life. This virus is offering an opportunity for those who aren't ready for the planetary shift to leave through the portal of death. This will then enable them to reincarnate back again, if and when they're spiritually ready. The virus is part of a planetary and universal plan and purpose to enable ascension. Thirdly, the planetary shift from fourth to fifth world consciousness. We have discussed this in the past, and it's most important to understand that when a planet is going through an evolutionary shift, as Earth is doing right now, those souls who are not ready or able to consciously make the transition in synchronization with their home planet take the opportunity to make a timely exit through death so they can then partake of higher learning between lives. They can then either reincarnate back again and step with their higher evolved planet or else to another version of the planet that is more compatible with their lower energy frequency. Remember, planets as sentient beings are multidimensional. So in the greater reality, there is an earth to suit all tastes. This is the reason why mass deaths always occur around the times of planetary shifts. Death is not an ending, but rather a beginning. We're quite aware of the myriad conspiracy theories doing the rounds on Earth in connection with COVID-19 and certain negative agencies being blamed for creating and spreading the virus. Earth humans are always happiest when they have an enemy to blame for their woes. The bottom line, however, comes back to the personal Armageddon you're all facing as a result of the changing and evolving planetary energies. That is the choice between love and fear. It all comes back to this. The occurrence of COVID-19 is providing a major opportunity for spiritual growth by providing this choice between love and fear. 
You cannot evolve spiritually if you are not provided with this all-important choice. So in reality, the negative forces down here are doing you a great favour. In a way, they are your guardian angels. The choice is yours to make. Each and every one of you, are you going to be pulled into the herd instinct, stampeding into fear and panic, trampling over others around you in your terror, or are you drawn to a more evolved human energy of love and trust and knowing that no matter what, all is well and even death is not the end, but rather an opportunity for evolution to a higher state. Lastly, a point to consider, if you really can't get past your fear of potential death, fear has a very detrimental effect on the human immune system. So keeping positive is a great preventative medicine to help you stay healthy. Doesn't that sum up all the things we've talked about so amazingly? Yeah. yeah, Remove the idea of reincarnation and then we're scared of dying. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. it makes the personal Armageddon of the choice between love and fear so yeah. much scarier. Exactly, exactly. And, and another little message came through the other day too to add to that. Also, some of the people who are passing over at this time are actually passing over into the sort of the astral space to help others down here. So there are younger souls and older souls both going through. Yeah, I think, you know, to really understand that message we need to really know that we're a multi-dimensional being absolutely for sure yeah yeah that, that's the whole really to me that's the key of the whole thing understanding that we're not just a physical body we're so much more and then that puts the physical body into the perspective of being such a small part of that's our right. being that's right and, and that part is always going to be temporal exactly and then that, that's well that brings up time time's more yeah. relevant on earth than it is anywhere else Oh, exactly, exactly. You know, time, it, it runs completely differently. I mean, that experience we had up on the ship in October of 2019, it was a pre-cognitive um, experience of something that's happening now because it's now that people are being taken up because mm. when you step out of 3D, you step out of time. Oh, and this brings us to another really nice message that Maris brought through in your just love youtube or that you brought through mm. from maris on your just love youtube <laughs> channel which i will definitely put a link to uh in the show notes page but otherwise listeners you can definitely find judy's channel if you just search youtube for judy carroll it pops straight yeah. up which is great uh is that the the jab can only affect if it does affect us, a really small part of our DNA, it's not, uh, it doesn't affect our true state of being. We can't yes. be damaged. Our, our soul essence or the, the true part of us can't be damaged. That's right, Helen. That's absolutely right. Yes, he pointed that out because, I mean, we're, we're way, way bigger than 3D. It, it, might, it might hurt us on a 3D level, might even damage through to 4D, but that's still nothing. Um, above that, no, because it's 5D we're heading into now. So, yeah, no need to be scared. It's the bottom line. You know, the whole, the whole thing is a fear thing. That, that's where the damage happens is with the fear, not so much anything physical that they can do to us. It's the fear thing. That remind, reminds me of a, um, oh, is it the Viktor Frankl book. You know, he went into a, the prison camp. He's, that book's often referred that's to. Right. And one of my previous right. um, guests used him. I interviewed Keith Livingstone and he cured himself of a brain tumour three times right. through wow. prayer. 
Wow. Uh, and Viktor Frankl was a, a really big, you know, he he really drew on Viktor Frankl's story. But the point, yeah. I'm, the reason I'm bringing it up is is to stay in that attitude of love. Um, and there's also Christian science stories of people who've gone, who've been practicing Christian science and have in the world wars ended up in um, concentration camps and come out of those experiences healthier than when they went in. Just wow. that practice of expanding love energy through their being. Yeah, 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 because they've got to do that to keep themselves sane and, and going. So, yeah, there's the incentive there to expand your love energy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and I can see that really going on now because we seem to need an incentive for things. You know, really, I mean, any any evolutionary path, is it seems to be, incentive seems to be the catalyst, our need for change, and there's very much a need for change down here at the moment. So, yeah, that makes huge sense. Or the pain. The, the avoidance of pain becomes the incentive. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And as Mara said at the end of that message I just read, uh, read out, that, you know, fear um, impacts upon your, your immune system. So, you know, keeping yourself in love is the way you stay healthy. The other challenging part of that message is that the tyrants or the ones seeking to control us are mm. our guardian angels i think that was his wording that's actually quite difficult to wrap your mind around it's extremely hard extremely hard yeah because again there's the incentive there and and the fact that we have to be offered the choice we have to be offered the choice of fear as well as love because if that's not being offered then we can't no there's no choice to make i know it's really hard to put that into words but, yeah, by them creating a climate of fear, they're giving that option of, okay, are we going to tune into that or are we going to tune into the climate of love? In many ways, it's aiding the ascension, isn't it? It's bringing it the is. necessary choice to a, a pointy edge. Yes, yes, because it's, it's giving everyone the Armageddon experience. We have to go through that to be able to ascend. Well, thank you so much, Judy. I really hope that this conversation has clarified things for people and and helped really access or expand the understanding about love energy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the more we can get this message out, Helen, the better. That's that's why you would do your work and I do mine. We're just trying to get get it across to people. Yeah, the times now. <laughs> Uh, so I'll put all your um, details of the books you've written and the Just Love YouTube channel that you and Paula do and um, other contacts for you and your website and whatnot in the show notes. So that's it for this episode of the More Love podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being here with me, Judy. Oh, thank you for having me, Helen. And until we meet again, keep choosing love. It's the only way to go.